Hey, good morning, Gretna family. It's Pastor Ovid. It's so great to see you today. If you've been trying to watch us online over the last couple of weeks, I am so sorry. <laughs> Even at this point, we're not quite sure what has gone wrong or why things weren't there when they should have been. They were uploaded and ready to go. But I believe, at the time of recording this, I believe, at least, that we've got that figured out. And if you stuck with us, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us. We want to be here to worship with you and to guide you and to, and to help you come to know the man we call Jesus, the God we call Jesus, better every day. Today, I want to look at a word. The word is blessed. It's a, it's a word that we use in so many ways or its connotations. If you're blessed, blessings, bless, right? Um, we use it in so many different ways in our language. If you look it up in the dictionary, it's going to say something along the lines of being made holy or consecrated before God, right? The idea would be there is a, is a, a priest or a pastor or somebody blessing you. Um, sometimes we use it to say bless you when someone sneezes, right? Because they've expelled evil spirits from the body, which is, by the way, where it originally came from, right? You've expelled evil spirits, people are going to go, bless you, that's awesome, dude, right? That's really where the phrasing came from. Or, or sometimes we say, bless your heart, which if you're living in the South, that's not always um, the most wonderful comment to hear. <laughs> we also might say, as Christians especially, I'm blessed, right? As we express the sense of gratitude, the sense of saying, yes, I have so much in my life, right? I have all the provision I need to survive every day. I've got plenty of time, treasure, and talent to do things with, to pursue happiness, right? As our Constitution says, the right to pursue happiness. We might even turn it into a hashtag, right? If you get a new scholarship to a school, you're hashtag blessed. Or if you, you put a bunch of pictures of your family on Facebook, right? They have the family photos, you take them every year or something, you put them up and you say hashtag blessed, hashtag gratitude, hashtag great family, right? And so it's a, it's a word we use in lots and lots of ways, but it seems to be a word that we most often use synonymously with being comfortable and being successful and being generally kind of happy, right? Things are going well in my life, and so I'm blessed. But what happens when those things disappear? What happens when you're laid off from your job and you can't, um, you can't provide for your family the way you would want to? What happens when uh, your health breaks down and you become sick? Or what happens when your children rebel or when you're having a difficult time in your family and you don't really feel like putting on Facebook today, hashtag blessed, right? I think all of us have been in that situation. But my question would be, if we're followers of Jesus, right? Are we no longer blessed when those things disappear? Now, intellectually, I think we would say, no, of course not, right? We've got salvation in Jesus. We've got eternal life. We've got him as our Lord. We've got a connection, a relationship with God. Of course we're blessed. But intellectually is not the same as emotionally, right? It can often feel very much when those things disappear that you are decidedly not blessed, it can lead to depression and even hopelessness. 
Ironically, I think one of the reasons we love the book of Psalms or we kind of viscerally connect with the book of Psalms in the Bible is because it deals with this challenge. More than any other book in the Bible, probably, it is an expression of what it means to be God's people, right? You get to hear them with their hearts laid out. David writes psalm after psalm after psalm. Some are just this wonderful um, listing of all the blessings they have and how amazed that he is that that he would call us his children, right? And then, then you also hear him talk about feeling lost or wondering where God is and why he's not stopping this, this invasion of enemies or this pain in his life and why he's not making a change. And so David is living and most of the psalmists are living in this concept of what does it mean to be blessed even when it doesn't feel like I'm blessed? Because as a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you that in this case, your head is right. You are blessed. Intellectually speaking, this one's right. You're blessed, even when it doesn't feel that way. So we are in the second week of our series, Jesus in the Psalms, right? And the Psalms, more than any other combination, more than any other Old Testament book, are quoted in the New Testament by Jesus and his followers and his people. And so last week we looked at Psalm 110 and we described the fact that, that, that Jesus is not just meant to be our Savior, which sounds crazy saying because that feels like that's about as cool as it gets, but he's also meant to be our Lord and our King and that he carries with him the very power of God, the thing that can influence and change our lives in a way that we could not even begin to fathom and certainly couldn't make happen on our own. So... Today, though, we're going to look at that word blessed. We're going to explore what it means and really try to dig into what the source of blessedness is. Where does being blessed come from? Because we might be seeking it or grading it in the wrong ways. So if you would, turn with me to Psalm, ready for this? Psalm one. <laughs> Psalm chapter one, it's six verses. We're going to read through that and we're going to kind of break it down. I'm going to read at the CSB and it goes like this. It says, how happy or blessed is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit to its in its season and its leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers the wicked are not like this instead they are like chaff that the wind blows away therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to ruin if you notice i've got the word blessed in brackets there it's because my translation doesn't say blessed it says happy, but most other translations say blessed. So what gives? Well, what gives is in the Hebrew language, those two words are one and the same. In fact, our Bibles translate them both uh, in both ways, leaning mostly towards blessed in most occasions, but sometimes happy gets chucked in there. This is one of those moments, but it actually, the Hebrew word esher is the word, and it, it actually contains these two concepts in a single word. And I think that might be the source of our confusion. 
We link the two meanings, happiness and blessed, together, and clearly the Hebrews did, and maybe we should too, but we misunderstand how they are linked. The truth is our world, you can look around, you can see it pretty easily. We have an obsession with being happy, with happiness. And when we're not happy, we have a tendency to get very, very angry when things are not going our way. Dennis Prager writes in his, his book, Happiness is a Serious Problem, kind of equates the way we look at happiness in our world as, as an equation, right? It's, it's happiness equals N times F, or happiness equals the number of fun experiences we can accumulate in a lifetime, right? And that, and most people in his survey seem to believe that happiness and fun are virtually identical, right? That we are happy when we are having fun and we are not happy when we are not. And if we're gonna take that Hebrew word, we're gonna say we are blessed when we are having fun and life is going well and we are not blessed when we are not. Again, those two words are very, very connected. Stop with me for a second. Think of the last time you were happy, right? Or of a time you were truly happy, like overjoyed happy. What comes to mind? If you're like me and most everybody else, you migrate to a moment, right? To a fun experience. Maybe it was a, a trip to Disney World. Maybe it was your wedding day. Maybe it was it was the last time you were hanging out with the guys together. Or maybe it was the last time you, you played softball and won the championship. Whatever it is, if you think about the times that you are happy, chances are it's related around a fun or pleasurable experience. Now, I don't want to misunderstand here or lead us to a misunderstanding. It's okay to have fun. <laughs> it's okay to find pleasure in life. Uh, in, in fact, we're meant, we're kind of built as God's people to enjoy many, many things. But if it becomes the leader in our life, rather than God himself, we get things out of whack. And it's unfortunate when we do, when we tie our happiness to fun experiences and how many of them we can accumulate in a day, a week, a month, or a year, the things that we always look forward to and kind of pause life until we get to those moments, then our capacity for being happy and blessed is limited because it only comes from moments at a time rather than through the eternity that God promises. King Solomon is the, the one man the Bible kind of holds up as the example of someone who had everything, right? The richest man, the wisest man, he had everything he could ever wanted. And, and he is traditionally known to be have written the book of Ecclesiastes about a man who had everything he wanted. And then he gets to the end of his life and recognizes something is amiss, that he has missed out. He reads in Ecclesiastes 2 verses 10 and 11, it reads, all that my eyes desired, I did not deny them, right? So I chased happiness. I chased all of those things that I wanted, right? That would bring me that sense, that feeling, all of those moments and all of those opportunities. I did not refuse myself any pleasure for I took pleasure in my struggles, right? This way, this was my reward for my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile and a pursuit of the wind. 
Solomon spent his entire life with every opportunity to live out this equation of n times f equals h, right? Number of fun experiences equals happiness. And at the end, he found it all to be futile. I wish I could say it stopped with Solomon, but I think it very much still permeates our life today. In his book, Authentic Happiness, uh, the author Marty Seligman, hope of getting that right, um, talks about a reality of depression and depression rates upon, among generations. And he notes something really, really interesting. He notes that the baby boomers are 10 times more likely to suffer from depression than those, than their parents were. 10 times more likely. And I want you to, to think about something for a minute. If you think about those who came before the baby boomers, right? Those, those were the ones who lived through World War I, the ones who went through the stock market rise of the Roaring Twenties and then the crash and the depression of the 1930s. They're the ones who lived through World War II, who, frankly, you know, we complain right now about the difficulties we're having with supply chains and being able to get things we want when we want it, but we forget that during World War II, Everything, literally everything was rationed, right? You couldn't get steel. You couldn't get all kinds of different products that you wanted because they were being used in the war effort. It's a very different perspective on life. And I'm trying to help us understand something. They had nothing with which to make themselves happy. They didn't have the stuff, right? But the baby boomers... When they came along, coming out of the war, the United States jumps into this massive economic boom. There are a whole other set of implications for that. We can get to that on another day. But massive boom. And all of a sudden, these opportunities are created to find and pursue happiness, right? Houses are more abundant. They're being built and bought on a regular basis. Cars are becoming more accessible, far more accessible for the average person. Airplane rides over the next 30 years after World War II become less and less a matter of only being for the elite in our society and more about being for most of us. At this point in our lives, I think most of us can say we've probably been on a plane, or at least a lot of us can say we've been on a plane at some point. Whether or not you like it, different discussion. But you have that option, right? The truth is, even though the baby boomers were 10 times more likely to be depressed than those who came before them, the numbers get worse. Gen X, even worse. Gen Y, even more likely to be depressed. Gen Z, check this out, seven out of 10, 70% of the population is likely to be depressed. And they have so many ways, so many things they can, fun experiences they can have, right? They can have thousands of fun experiences. They can make their life all, we can in this, in our day and age, we can make our life all about fun experiences. We totally can. And yet the statistics over and over and over again show that has nothing to do with happiness. And my concern is what does that mean for Gen Alpha, which by the way is a thing. Um, they started being born in 2013, 2013 through 2025. So they are literally small, but walking around among us. Some of them are eight or nine years old at this point. What does it mean for them if we keep buying 
and teaching the lie that more fun experiences will lead to more happiness. I think even as followers of Jesus, we do it in our faith too, right? Um, do we look more forward to at a trip to Disney World than we do to seeing a soul saved? We are pursuing this fun experience moment rather than pursuing the things of God. Do we regularly make time to meet our favorite, to, to enjoy our favorite pastime, but we rarely make time to read scripture or to pray or to gather together? Even in our Sunday gatherings, it can seep in. When we gather on Sundays, are we more concerned about having a pleasurable or fun experience than we are about seeing new or young believers embrace Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives? Many a worship war, quote unquote, it's a church term, many a church split over the years has been arguing over what worship services should look like because everybody's chasing a pleasurable experience instead of the mission that God has. In misunderstanding this link between blessings and happiness, we deny ourselves that which we most seek. And maybe even we deny others that we are charged with discipling. So what does this reveal about that connection? What does our text today reveal about our connection? Well, a couple of things. There are two types of men described in our text. The first is the blessed one, and the second is the wicked ones. The blessed one. Let's go back to that word blessed for a minute, that, that, that combination of happiness and blessing that's kind of used together in the, in the Old Testament in Hebrew. The root word for that is ashar. Remember, our word was asher. This one's ashar. And it means something interesting. If you go back to the root word, it means to be led on, to go straight or to advance or to set right. The blessed one is the one who is moving forward, moving toward the Lord every day in their thoughts and their actions and their pursuits. That doesn't mean getting there. That means moving that direction because the truth is we all start in different places. We start from different places with different backgrounds and diff different understandings of things. We will get there, but we have to keep moving that direction. The wicked ones are ones that move on their own, that are unwilling to be led by God and unable to advance in their blessedness, in their walk with him. And they find themselves unhappy. <laughs> constantly for all the opportunities we have to be happy if that first equation is accurate how unhappy is our world these days sometimes us included and as we see in verse 7 it will find themselves in ruin even if they don't see it right now the blessed one seeks counsel from the lord regarding their thoughts, their feelings, and their priorities. And it says he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and its leaves, its leaf does not wither. The idea there would be if you want to know where your happiness, how it's coming and going, staying connected to the pursuits of God, following his direction, letting him tell us what we should think about certain things, how we should feel, and what our priorities should be is like this permanent connection to blessedness, this permanent connection to happiness, this permanent connection to the joy that God promises. It requires that we seek his counsel. The wicked ones, on the other hand, are like chaff, right? 
that the wind just blows away because they are chasing moments. They're chasing moments and feelings rather than an eternity with God. So what does it mean to be blessed? It's to recognize the gift of salvation freely, given freely by God and the newness of life that comes with it. There's somebody trying to talk to me through the door. Sorry. Not, and it's, it's to not, what is to be, so what is it to be blessed? It's to not be beholden to the world's idea of happiness that is so easily destroyed, but instead God's version that is eternal and unassailable. It is to unleash happiness from our circumstances so they're not connected, so that we can be, we can be the light shining in the darkness rather than letting the darkness envelop us. And it is to give ourselves over to Jesus Christ and allow him, who, by the way, is the ultimate picture of the one who is blessed, and let him write the correct equation for happiness in our hearts and our souls. If you're ready to unchain your happiness from your circumstances and be blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ, let us know. We are here to help you. We are here to guide you. And we are here to help you walk closer and closer to him with each and every day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.